Hello, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. We have met at the Blade Show a couple of months ago. We did. It was a great time. Um, it was so nice to have you guys in the booth next to us. Yeah. We've uh, we've typically had um, booths that were a, perhaps a bit less interesting next to us. So that was wonderful to see all the new stuff. You and uh, uh, I forget who who was it you were teamed up with at the at the booth there. The, yeah, the Daily Customs. Daily the Customs. Brand name. That's right. The, yes. And I actually picked up um, one of your pry bars that I'm carrying yeah. today. So yeah, the pry at the booth. That's awesome. Yeah. That was, yeah, you came over and, you know, and I could recognize you as a knife guy. You, you know, you have that feeling. Um, if you are long enough in a business, you can, you can identify knife guys if they are, you know, passionate about knives or not. And you definitely were. You were looking over the table and, you know, oh, wow, that's great. And I need to do yeah. some things later. And that's the moment I realized we need to do a, this interview. <laughs> Yeah, because, great because that was the point I realized you are not only uh, the company owner of the KPL Pivot Loop, you are also a knife guy, right? I am, yeah. And I think it's maybe, what was first? The, the laugh into the uh, chemistry thing or the, the laugh into knives? Uh, I was into knives as a kid, yeah. Um, and my, my grandfather... Um, actually spent a lot of time in, in Germany after the war, um, in, uh, in West Germany. And, um, he was also, he also traveled there prior to the war, um, as young, young man and, and spoke German very well. And mm. he, he sort of brought back, uh, that German cutlery industry, like passion and love. And, and he carried, uh, you know, old knives his whole life, um, from over there. So, uh, I love knives, and then I picked up the chemistry stuff in college, and then uh, in the workplace. I I got a job as an engineer, and and I later did a bunch of work in the chemical engineering space. And the lubricant stuff just really caught my interest. And I, I spent a lot of time reading and researching, and uh, I've always been fascinated with you know the uh, the ingredient lists on the back of bottles and things. Uh, just looking at them and, and finding out what every <laughs> chemical was and what it did and what it could be used for. And, and then uh, the lubricant stuff came, yeah, as a, as a professional uh, benefit. So, yeah. Do you remember your first knife? Yes, it was a Victorinox. Uh, oh. it, it was actually the one from my grandfather. I think I've got it somewhere around here. Uh, he had uh, a Victorinox tinker engraved with my name on it back in the Whoa. 1980s. There it is. Um, it's still from have it. Wow. Yeah. One of the old ones. So that was my first okay. knife. Um, and then I, I got into Benchmade when I was in, you know, a young, um, 20 something year old and, and then carried a Benchmade and a Spyderco Delica forever and ever. Um, until kind of the idea came into my mind that somebody should be making a better lubricant for these things. Uh, and and from there I expanded into all sorts of knives, but uh, now I've got quite the collection um, mm -hmm. of fixed fixed blades and folders um, all over the house. So, how long did it take from the uh, you know your slogan is you make good knives even better? Yes. Right? And how long does it take from the um, the idea to do or or maybe the 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 search for a better product? into the idea to do it on your own. Yeah. So I, I've got a little sort of chemical warehouse in my garage, um, where I'm, I'm, I'm constantly tinkering. I'm constantly tinkering with. I just have the picture in my mind from, you know, the, um, the cooking, uh, the, 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 the series. I don't remember. It's, um, you know, Breaking Bad. Yes. Yes. I think yes. you heard, you heard it a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just figured it out. Uh, and I've got glassware and, um, uh, you know, distilling, distillation equipment and all, all sorts of oh. um, fun stuff. But, but I'm, I, I was constantly cooking up, um, you know, preservatives and uh, things for some of my leather work that was a hobby. And, ah. mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, mixing lubricants for all kinds of different, uh, you know, scissors and, and hair clippers. And um, it, it's just always been an interest. So, 
I was a knife carrier and I realized that there were a few products for knives and, and there were a bunch of products people were recommending that were, you know, really specialized to things like fishing reels. Uh, but nobody was making a really great knife product. And I knew I could, could make something really great that targeted the needs of pocket knives specifically over other items um, that are just different because, you know, in a fishing reel, the bearings that need to be lubricated and the gears are sealed. Where in pocket knives, you're kind of open to the world and you've got to be much more tolerant of contaminants than in something like a fishing reel or a car engine. Uh, so I spent uh, probably a good year and a half working on the formula, mm -hmm. uh, finding a bottle that would work really well for the product. Uh, that was a long search. And then lots and lots of testing. And uh, you know, once I finally got it down, I, I think I carried the product in my pocket for four or five months to make sure that it wouldn't leak uh, during every ah. carry. So uh, all of that, plus uh, my wife is sort of a, a graphic designer and she came out with our first logo for us. But it, yeah, it took a couple of years from concept to throwing a website up. Um. But you you decided to, to to make your own business, you know. You yes. I think you were in a in a, uh, I think you were employed in a nine to five business, and you had some idea in your head, or was it just oh I want to uh, grow up a business and I will develop an lubricant? What what was it? It's more the. Uh... I, I was in business. Yeah, I worked for a software company, um, yeah. and this was something I decided to do on the side. I, uh -huh. I didn't actually think that it would make very much money. I, yeah. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of thought that I had something that was really great and wanted to make it available uh, more than I thought it would become a viable business that could take over my everyday. So, I launched it as a very much a side project. Uh, mm -hmm. I think by the time it was all said and done, I had I had only invested maybe a thousand dollars of my own money in the thing, and the website was very low tech. Uh, I had a bit of programming experience and so was able to get a website up and running. But um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be at blade show one day. Is, is kind of the answer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but we launched knife pivot lube original was the, the first formula mm -hmm. and the knife community just really ran with it. Um, and it, it, uh, it really filled a need that had been there for a long time that wasn't being filled well, I don't think by, by anyone, although there are some great products out there. Um, I, I think we do a better job at certain, certain aspects of, of pocket knives. So. Yes. I have heard a lot. It's, uh, it's KPL. It's the, the only, the only thing you should need as you should use for your knife. It's the best oil. And even here in Europe, you are a big, big thing. So. Yeah. It's gone worldwide. It's, we're, we're, We're actually just now kind of expanding to um, we've got pretty good coverage in Europe and uh, really appreciate you guys getting better access for us in the in the EU market and specifically in Germany. But um, the Middle East now is a big a big market for us in Asia as well. So, yeah, all the knife guys over the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you never you never have planned to, to run your own business. It was just a. A thing you you wanted to do for your own needs and maybe for some others, right? So and then you were um, sold out so quickly that you decided to to grow and grow, I guess. Or it's just I mean it's it's a risky uh, decision to to quit your job. I guess you you have quit your job to do that uh, KPL business. I did. It it took a while though. I I unfortunately didn't have. Uh, you know, pre-existing wealth or I didn't have a bunch of money to invest yeah. and we, we don't have any investors. It really was just something that's self-funded um, out of the proceeds of selling KPL. So it grew very slowly. Um, I mean, quickly, but slowly we, we built up uh, processes. At first we were filling those bottles by hand and it was me at my kitchen table with oh. a chemistry squeeze bottle, you know, filling each one, yes. tapping it by hand. And slowly, mm -hmm. we've been able to build out a facility where it's all automated now. That the filling uh, happens in an automated fashion. The, we we cap the bottles with a, a capping machine, and we've got a conveyor belt that moves everything along. So that that's all happened as we've been able to afford it uh, from selling KPL, and and then we've 
you know, slowly developed more and more products that we think are really good. And um, it seems to be going well. And it, our, our philosophy is we want to be the product that when you want to buy it, you can find it. And so we really stress being in stock all the time on um, most everything we do. So it, it's tricky. It's tricky to run a business. But I didn't actually quit my other job for about three years mm-hmm. um, of running KPL. So that was just during COVID is when I finally made the switch full time to doing KPL stuff. That's cool. And have you talked with your family about this step? This, um, because you, you just said your, your wife made the uh, graphic design. So it's a family, family business, isn't it? Because I, it I remember yeah. your, your family was on a booth next to us. It's not, it was yeah, not they, just you. Those were uh, actually some friends of mine. Um, one of them is a, a bushcrafter here in the U.S., Uh, his name is Nick Italiano, and he runs uh, Black Flag Survival. Uh, and he's become a really good friend of ours, uh, not family, but feels like it. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, a guy who prefers to remain just a little bit anonymous, but his his handle is Bark Handle on Instagram, and he is uh, a belly sun flipper. And so he was there to help us as well. My wife could not make it to this show, but she's usually there. Uh, Mrs. KPL. Her name's Lendy. And uh, she's been very involved from the beginning. She's, like I said, our graphic designer, and she's got mm-hmm. a lot of the marketing sense uh, for the business. She uh, formerly had a business in the crafting space. Um, mm-hmm. So so is your wife also full-time now in the KPL company? Mm-hmm. Oh. She is. And, and we do we do products for knives, and we've got another... A division that does products for some sporting goods that are also chemical, right? So some cleaners and things like that. That's just getting off the ground. But that that's her passion. She loves uh, racket sports, mm-hmm. uh, pickleball and um, and running. And so she's pushing some of our business in that direction, utilizing my chemistry skills and uh, and her graphic designs. So it's a great combination. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's um, she's quite brilliant. So. Mm. Do you and you still have your uh, your garage full of the you know of bottles and cooking stuff? Do you is, is your testing area? Yes, we're, we're we need to find a facility, but right now our <laughs> our home has a large enough garage that we've managed to cram the assembly line uh, into there, and it 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 remains there. Uh, we're distributed a little bit. We we have uh, some full time employees who work for us. And they store some of the equipment in their garages. Uh, cool. and, and so our, our employee is actually a, a manufacturing engineer. Uh, and he he's helped to build some of our equipment as well. He and him and his wife do a bunch of the work. So between our house and their home, um, we've managed to... Uh, keep the business there, but pretty, pretty quickly, we're going to need to move to a, a full, full-time factory, I think. Yeah. You founded KPL in 2018? Yes. So it's five years ago. Um, is there, uh, the, the name is KPL or were there other names in a, in a pot? There is, uh, yeah, KPL. So that's what everything falls under. And then we've got the, the separate um, product lines underneath that. So we've got the knife shield, uh, which is a, a KPL um, mark and uh, our camellia oil and then all of our other maintenance products. Uh, the sporting goods brand is called Reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, that's just getting off the ground. So it's it's probably not something you'd find by Googling uh, just yet. yet, but, but yeah. starting, yes. And um, you... You, you found it in 2018 and 2020 was COVID-19 hits everyone. Right. So I would say it's not the best time to, uh, uh, to, to run a new business. What would you say? What, how did COVID? Um, yeah, that was, that you? was tricky. We, we, uh, that was tricky because once COVID became really real and things started shutting down, Our sales took a really big hit, uh, more than in half. They were cut more than in half, which made it really tricky to keep the business going for a bit there. Uh, Things started to pick up, though, as people were home more and got more involved in hobbies. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways it actually helped us, right? Because people were at home watching videos about knives, uh, outdoors activities became very popular, at least here, uh, where people could be enjoying activities, but not near one another. So lots of people out in the forests, uh, out hiking, um, getting into pocket knives. And I think it, I think in the end, it actually was a bit of a benefit, which is surprising. Uh, it did make it really hard to get things like bottles and even bags and packaging because the, the supply chains were disrupted so badly and chemicals became almost impossible to get a hold of. So we struggled uh, a lot with COVID, but, um, in the end, I, like I said, I, we somehow probably got luckier than most people because people were trying new things during yeah. COVID. So good to hear. Um, but let's talk about the uh, KPL products. The, um, the first one was the KPL uh, oil. Now it's called original oil or was it always? We always similar? called it original. We, we had the thought that we wanted to make different products even from the beginning. So oh. KPL original has always gone by that name. Um, and, and the d- design philosophy behind the, the chemical engineering was we wanted a lubricant that, like I said, met the specific needs of pocket knives where you don't, you don't have a seal that's going to keep dirt and grit out of the pivot of a knife. And mm-hmm. you're going to be exposed to a lot of uh, hard abrasive particles, dust in the air, uh, dirt off the ground, rock particulates, lots of pocket lint that's going to try to absorb oils and pull them out of the knife and dry it up. And then a really, uh, a really harsh environment in pockets where you've got uh, salt, humidity, um, because it's close to your body and, uh, and exposure to moisture. So, uh, we, we developed the formula to be really good at taking dirt and particulates in massive amounts and being able to keep those in the liquid suspension so that they can't stick to one another and form agglomerates inside the knife. Right. And then we wanted something that was really, really stable against things like hydrolysis, uh, from all the moisture that's going to be around the knife in warm temperatures. Uh, we needed corrosion prevention that was very, very good uh, because in those enclosed spaces in the pivot, moisture is not going to evaporate very, very quickly. Um, so all of those came together in a formula that's uh, a fully synthetic uh, base that's synthesized from the ground up from ethylene. So very, very pure. It's lacking the impurities that would get if you used like a simple oil that's been distilled from crude oil, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're less likely to form acids over time uh, in storage. And it does a really, really great job of moving those particulates out of the space between interfacing metal parts and preserving the knife over the long term. Uh, All of that came together really well in a, in a formula that's really nicely weighted. So, um, you know, it, it moves the way a knife, sh- it doesn't prevent the knife from moving as quickly as it needs to, but it's got really high film strength at the same time so that those metal parts never actually come in contact with one another. It seems all they've come together in sort of a, a magical way that people really, really loved from the very outset. And uh, it was fun at the first blade show that I went to, to, to see people in person, try it for the first time. And then within a second or two of operating their knife, they were you know, the aha light went on in their, in their mind as they, they realized that this was something special. So uh, we basically tweaked that, that same formula for KPL Heavy, where we've added some uh, thixotropic elements to increase the viscosity. And then for ultralight, where we've used uh, just a much lower molecular weight um, base oil with the same additives. Um, and People always ask, what, you know, what should I use on my knife? Which of the three lubricants, right? So I always say, start with KPL Original. You're most likely to get the best, um, the best performance out of that product. But if you've got a special use case, you might want to try something else. So um, the out-the-front knives, uh, I'm not sure if these are legal in Germany, but yeah. some places in the U.S. they are, right? The knives that mm-hmm. um, shoot out the front. Uh, for those, we recommend um, KPL Ultralight because you want something much thinner mm-hmm. and lower in viscosity. 
that's not going to slow the knife down as it's moving in and out. Yeah. Uh, and then we have our very heavy lubricant and that we recommend for uh, knives with very large blades uh, for Ballysong knives where you've got a lot of momentum uh, to flip around. And then we've got um, a new product that's called dry film. That's not a liquid lubricant at all. And, and we use that for uh, EDC items like uh, the pens uh, where you don't want to attract dust or dirt or anything like that uh, in, into the mechanism where ah. oil can. And so it's actually uh, dirt repellent and completely dry. It leaves behind a completely dry film that's not liquid at all. So there's the four lubricants and then, and then we get into corrosion preventives, which is our other big specialty. So. Yeah. The, um, uh, I have some questions for the KPL, uh, KPL oil. You you just described the moment uh, your uh, uh, people has while they are using it for the first time. I actually have the has the same you know memory about KPL. You use it, really? uh, yeah. I had the same because I I was using oil and um, for a customer's knives and for a customer's knife and it was not flipping well, and I'm used to oil, so from a right. And it was still not flipping. And then I used KPR. Uh, I was moving it and there I put another drop in it. And then it was flipping again because because of the uh, the dirt in, in the knife, you know. I, I think so. Right. Yeah. And this, was... this tends to happen where, you know, maybe an abrasive particle has embedded itself into the steel liner of a knife or... Uh... Or into the brass, the phosphor bronze washer, or something, and you, you just you really need uh, a lubricant that's got high wickability, really high film strength, and often a single drop you can dislodge that, and and just you know, boom, you, you've made a, an instant difference. So um, we think we've got something really great. Um, it, it seems to have caught on well, and and people give us great reviews. So. Um, that and and we try to offer just the best customer service I can uh, when people have uh, issues or problems or you know something arrives um, damaged in transit. We mm -hmm. we do our very best to to make it right, no matter what it takes. And and all of that combined, I think, has led to what I hope is a good reputation in the knife market. So, would you say the um, you should use KPL um, with the um you know, with the um, disassembled knife or just, or can you use it? Um, do you need to disassemble the knife before you use it? Um, oh. What would you think? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I disassemble knives for videos, for content, mm -hmm. but in my everyday life, I rarely disassemble my own knives. Um, I just don't have the time. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. run a business. So my typical operating procedure is to add the drop of KPL whenever the knife is, is feeling a bit sluggish and then to swab away any excess. And KPL is so good at pulling the contaminants into the, into the liquid that as you're swabbing it away, you end up with a knife that is sort of self-cleaning. So I, I don't disassemble very often and I don't find the need to, but it is a lot of fun. And it makes great video content. Yes. And I know that many, many of our users mm -hmm. are big disassemblers. And so uh, I absolutely support either way you want to go. Um, I know it's intimidating for people at first who are not, you know, me mechanically inclined. But uh, I think I think either way is valid. Ah, yeah. Got it. And, and if you've got the time and, and the inclination, yeah. go ahead. But uh, with, with the, uh, you know, a really high quality lubricant, it's not always necessary. It's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can use it for bearings as well as for a washer. Is it right? That's right. Yeah. For all kind of knives. So even for yeah. the slip joints, the older one without any any uh, washer. Yeah. It's... Yeah. So a lot of people really like the ultralight formulation in their slip mm -hmm. joints because it it does get into those very tight spaces uh, with very little clearance on the slip joints really nicely. Um, and then we made sure that when we developed the formula, we wanted to be able to handle high point loads, which mm -hmm. is where, where those ball bearings actually touch 
the you know the hand the titanium or the bearing race you get really high loading um pounds per square inch or or kilograms per square uh, millimeter or whatever where you those bearings touch in just a single point yeah um and a typical simple oil is uh is going to break down at that contact point where where you're pushing really hard so you need something that that will maintain a film between the bearing and the metal surface and and so um that was another one of our design goals was really high film strength so that you wouldn't have breakdown um with high point loads or you know small particulates that are sharp and have sharp edges we we want to cover those sharp edges and prevent wear over time. So all about prolonging that knife so you can hand it down to your, you know, 40 years later to your, your kid or whatever. So. <laughs> um, what about, what about um, the smell? You know, it smells like, oh, like yeah. kind of a perfume. It's kind of, it's, it's other oils doesn't smell like your KPM. It's, Yeah, a bit of the smell is is just the formula itself. We do add uh, we do add a scent though to it um, that we've formulated on our own here, um, working with a uh, a company that specializes in um, uh, how would you call it, but but specializes in in making products um, appealing. So. Ah. Uh, it's it's got a little bit of a non-toxic oil-based scent mm -hmm. in it that that helps just a little bit, but uh, even before I add that, um, you know, our, our our scent formulation into it, it's pretty pleasant. So um, if we I do, use we add the, we add the scent and and the red is a coloration that we add just a tiny bit of um, because we like it. it ah, it goes with it. our brand. Yeah, yeah, it looks kind of different, and, and I like it too. Yeah, and and we got it uh, just right so that you know we have the color, which is nice. It also uh, helps with visibility as you're applying the product, but it's non-staining and doesn't you know, even on a knife that's got say jade G10 handles that that are very light in color, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it doesn't stain anything. So um, it's worked out really well, and we've kept with the red all the way through on, on all of our products. And um, it's become sort of a, a marker of our brand now, which is what we're hoping for. The red and the metallics is, is our thing. And it's also um, not kind of uh, poisoning because it's for um, food preparation as well. You can. Yeah, so we've gone non-toxic with all of our products. Yeah. Um, and then the products that are designed specifically for application to the blade itself are actually um, certified H1. So uh, nothing's toxic. You can use any of our products on knives that will touch food. But mm -hmm. on our, um, we have a product called Knife Shield, which is a spray that's meant to go on the blade to prevent rust. And that one is actually certified for use in industrial kitchens. So H1 is the, the name of the certification, at least here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And um, and that means that it's approved for, for food contact, uh, even in products that are going out to the public. So in uh, commercial restaurants and things like that. Yeah, I, I recognize there was a data sheet. Um, uh, I think the name is safety data sheet. In. That's right. Yeah, but it's, uh, uh, it's oh, you need to go to some regulations to get this, this H1 status. That's right. It's not easy at all. It's just, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think this is one of the obstacles you need to, um, you need to come over if you uh, invent a new chemical product. Um, did you even have those obstacles uh, with the European market where the differences, you know, every, Every country or may, every, yeah, Europe is not very easy to enter with chemicals, I think. It's not. Um, fortunately, most of the, most of the countries that are, um, you know, 
sort of the NATO and, and EU countries have done a lot of work to, to harmonize some of that, which has made it a bit easier. But uh, each country has its own import rules and regulations and duties and, and fees. And mm-hmm. that is that is quite tricky. Uh, you've also, when you're running a, a chemical company and you want to do it properly, you need insurance. Um, oh, yeah. Right. And, and that's going to be required by many of our uh, wholesalers and, and retailers like you. Um, Amazon, which is uh, one of our resellers here in the U.S. and in some other countries, is very uh, particular about compliance. Mm. And so they want to know that if your product is going through their warehouses, you know, is it safe? At what temperature will it actually catch fire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is, it, is it flammable? <laughs> Fortunately, our products are not. Uh, flammable <laughs> unless you throw them in in a fire itself they're not going to catch on fire but uh it is tricky and then people are very concerned about uh fluorinated chemicals um lately so uh europe has enacted sort of the reach standards trying mm-hmm. to get rid of uh the the more dangerous uh fluorocarbons and that came into play with our dry film product which is a, a fluorinated polymer and so we had to work very carefully with our chemical supplier to make sure that uh, the product we were getting was uh, REACH compliant, totally non-toxic, food safe, and didn't contain any of those, they're called PFAs, is the name of the, the type of chemical uh, that people are concerned about. Um, sometimes they call them like forever chemicals. Uh, so we've made sure to keep those out where so many fluorinated uh, lubricants and, and oils um, end up containing those either intentionally in the past or as a as a side product that comes in uh, as part of the manufacturing process. So it it's a lot of work. It's it's more than you would think to run a chemical company uh, uh, to yes. stay in compliance with all these things. It it takes it takes a lot from us. So I, that I and exports well, are tricky. And uh, you, I can't imagine you need all to know that store. Yeah I'm sorry. And, and I've got a I, oh, I, I'd imagine you're familiar with some of this um, with your business, right? Because you're you're importing yeah. products that are I am at, and at I'm, least regulated to some extent. But yeah, I am, and I'm also a galvanizer. I don't do you know that? Oh yes, yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> that's even more dangerous. It yeah, it kind of yes, but it's uh, yeah, all the chemical stuff. You and you as the uh, business owner, you need all. You need, you are forced to know everything, uh, and and you you need to know every changes all over the world. Uh, you mentioned the reach thing in Europe, and that's oh, uh, yeah. But I yeah. I remember you are also a lawyer. Are you? I am. Yeah. So this is so, maybe another uh, another helpful background for your business. Yeah, I so I I was an engineer. Um, first, and then I, I did go to law school and uh, ended up working in technology and patents and in the chemical industry is really where I cut my teeth. And so I spent thousands of hours uh, working on, you know, chemical industry patents and, um, you know, freedom to operate given existing patents and all, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and that's where I spend a lot of my time kind of building on my already existing fascination for, for chemicals. So <laughs> I didn't know that you were a galvanizer. So do you do, you do primarily uh, zinc plating or are you, do you do all sorts of electroplating? No, I'm, I'm specialized on silver, uh, silver, silver plating, okay. silver and gold on uh, brass, um, you know, the, um, um, work with antiques like uh, cutlery, old cutlery and candlesticks. And so we renew them, we refurbish them, and um, we made a new silver plating on them. Ah, so I see. Nice. Uh, the, the, the word galvanization, I, I think, is a bit more specific here in the U.S. So I, I thought maybe you were, um, it, it refers only to um, zinc, usually. Oh, and then we really? would call, we would call what you do probably uh, electroplating or... Yeah. Um, so electroless I'm, plating or, so I'm or something like that. So I'm not a galvanizer. I'm, a, I'm an electroplater. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> On our side of the ocean, I, I think that probably would accurately describe you. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, let's talk about knife shield. That's amazing. I um, just have this is this is a new product. It's one year old, or is it? Yeah, it's face? about one year old. I'm trying to see if I've got a grab a bottle here so I can at least yeah. talk with one in my hand. Um, this is amazing. yeah, it's a it's a year old product. Um, and what we wanted was, you know, I, I get so frustrated when I'm, you know, I, I love to use my knives outdoors, but uh, <laughs> often I'm just using them to cut open boxes and yeah. your knife blade will end up getting coated in so much adhesive residue. And uh, it's just, it's really hard to get off. And, and the best thing for getting it off was always um, uh, naphtha, like lighter fluid, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. really flam, really flammable stuff. Uh, and so we wanted to come up with something that would work as well as that, but be water-based and food safe and not leave behind, you know, whatever chemicals are in, in naphtha. Uh, and so we came up with the knife shield, which is, is that it's uh, a water-based cleaner. Um, and you spray it on a cloth or, or on the blade and then just kind of one wipe and all that stuff comes off that, along with all kinds of yucky <laughs> residue yeah. that that's been on those blades for, for who knows long. It's really good at getting that stuff off. And then it leaves behind um, a, a galvanic inhibitor that prevents rust from setting in mm-hmm. uh, during storage or use of the knife. So uh, yeah, the goal number one was to be just the best cleaner money could buy uh, to leave behind a really nice, shiny, uh, polished surface. And to uh, deepen and clean and clarify uh, DLC, so the the black coatings on blades. And then rust was right up there as the second number one objective was preventing rust from setting in. And I, I, we we think it does that better than than anything else, uh, you know, besides oil based products that are quite toxic. So yeah, I'm I was using alcohol based products before that. And it was yes. cleaning them, and, and now I'm totally switched over to knife shield because it's faster. You and it's and I know it's you know, and I don't need to care about the food safety. It feels right. it feels great, yeah. It's, yeah, and and the alcohol is sometimes really slow at, yeah. at dissolving some of those um, adhesive residues and tree saps and and gums and things and. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially food, food residue. Uh, I'm a gardener. And so I, I'll get sap on my, my blades and uh, the knife shield for me does a better job than water and soap or alcohol, or like I said, even um, petrol, uh, gasoline. Um, so it, it's been very successful for us. We, we sell as much of this as we do um, KPL now. So it's great. Yeah. great it's been a very good product. Yeah. Um, there is um, also this is also a good product for knife makers, I think. I guess so because they are they love um, as non-stainless steels to work with, and so they can put in knife uh, knife shield on, and it's way safer. You know, it's a, it's a protector against rust. Right. And so so we've got uh, we've got a few a number of knife makers who use it in their shop now. Mm-hmm. And they like it because, you know, they're throwing hot sparks all over the place. And so minimizing oil in the shop is always a benefit because you're mm-hmm. decreasing flammability. Yeah. And then um, they really hate, as they're working on a, a carbon steel knife, they'll get done with one grinding process. And before they get to the next step, they've already got uh, flash corrosion that's happened on the blade surface. And that's really frustrating. For them, so uh, after each step, they're spraying with our stuff to remove uh, abrasive grits and any you know residues that are left on the blade. And at the same time, they're preventing that flash rusting from happening. And the other benefit is um, the knife shield actually, uh, once it's on a metal surface, it's a, a self-healing film, so it, it will slowly evaporate into the atmosphere and recover areas that have lost their protection. So the more mm-hmm. they use it in their shop, the less 
anything in their shop is going to rust because they end up with with enough of this in the atmosphere that corrosion is actually decreased in the entire space. So, you know, I, I spray this on my knives and then put them in a knife storage case. The knife that's been treated is protected, but it's actually oh. emitting very slowly a vapor that'll help protect everything else in the knife case. And so it becomes a self-reinforcing uh, rust preventive. It's It's got a vapor pressure that's low enough that that it can actually um, slowly sublime into the into the atmosphere. Oh, I didn't know that. It's good to know. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain in a few yeah. words on a website, but uh, but yeah, it actually is. It's what's called a vapor phase corrosion inhibitor is what we've included in there. That's also food safe. So, yeah. and it's um, it's also safe with um, with um, wood handles and. You can use it on everything, I guess. Um, I have read on your page. This is, you don't need to fear any, um, you know, materials like uh, wood or um, um, cabin fiber. Right, right. It's it's safe kind of across the board, and then it uh, it prevents tarnish on other other metals as well. So you're a silver worker, a silver uh, smith. Um, yeah. So, so it actually will prevent uh, tarnish on copper, um, brass, bronze, silver, and on uh, some some things like uh, you know Mokume Gane, say yeah. that, that's a combination of different metals. Uh, so it's got a really broad applicability, and then uh, really material safe because it it doesn't contain solvents. Besides, um, distilled water is actually the base of the whole thing so very very clean and and safe across yeah. the board and how long did it took you to develop this this one was a long time this this took, <laughs> this took uh, a concerted effort over probably 18 months Whoa. and and the hard part was creating something that was um that was stable in a in an aqueous carrier so in a, a liquid water carrier um, and so finally we, we got that down, uh, finding a good bottle was, was tricky. We wanted something that was sort of, um, unique to us. And so, uh, all that came together over, yeah, a very long time. It took us, took us a long time. We had to buy a bunch of new equipment, uh, mm. some very expensive, um, very absurdly expensive mixing, uh, equipment that, that was tricky to get a hold of. So. Yeah, it was a long time, and it was sort of a risky investment for us to make on a product that we didn't know mm -hmm. if it was going to be successful. So probably one of the riskiest points in our business was the launch of Knife Shield, where we'd invest so much oh. money into the equipment to to make this work. But, and the chemicals are quite expensive as well. Uh, so we have to buy yes. those in very large quantities from uh, the companies that synthesize them from scratch, and then we mix them. And so... Yeah, yeah, tricky, tricky to, tricky to get right. I I can imagine. Um, this is, is there a best before date for your chemicals and also for your products? So this is another thing you need to keep in mind. Oh yeah, so uh, Knife Shield has a, a shelf life that's around five years. Oh, um, yeah. And it's not it's not that it goes. Um, bad or will no longer work but you tend to lose some of the stability so it'll separate into layers um, mm. and that can be helped by storing it in places that are um, not very very hot uh, so knife, knife shield has a, a quite long shelf life the knife pivot lube products the the oils mm -hmm. and lubricants uh, are indefinite they have an indefinite shelf life they'll last uh, 50 years plus probably hundreds of years mm. based on on what they're made from. So especially in a sealed container, um, they're, they're just, they're going to last your lifetime and, and more. Mm -hmm. And, um, that helps because they're in the knife and we don't want them to turn into gums or turn acidic over time, which is what happens if you put, you know, a, a simple oil into a product is it'll, it'll eventually turn into a tar like substance. That's actually sticky instead of lubricating. So I see. So this is yeah, why you're no need to worry. No need to worry on the on the knife pivot lube and 
you should have probably used your knife shield up well before it'll uh, start to start to age out on you. <laughs> so that's uh, also a reason because you put so much time and research for the best bottles for your products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we we want to make sure that they don't leak. Yeah. Because um, so many products do come in bottles that are, are very poor um, and we want them to be really convenient. So uh, like I said, the, the first bottle for Knife Pivot Lube we found at sort of a very obscure manufacturer at the time. Uh, since then, since we, we put it out, it's become um, more, avail- more available because we're, we're ordering so much of it. Uh, but um, this one, we, we, we also um, located a bottle that was in this unique uh, rectangular shape. Mm-hmm. And then we're working right now on a, a pen style applicator for knife pivot loop that'll be a bit more pocket friendly. Uh, mm-hmm a longer and thinner, skinnier form factor. I'm not sure when that's going to come out. We're, we're having to do that one custom uh, from scratch. So I'm in the process of designing that at the moment, but sometime so, down the road, that, that one's coming. So speaking of research and development, <laughs> you are the research and development uh, department of your company, right? You are doing everything. I am. It, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite part. I, yeah. So being involved in, in patents, uh, I loved the fact that I was exposed to so much technology. And uh, being an engineer previously, I, I, I love the chemical uh, engineering aspects of my job. Mm-hmm. And then I also get to use some of my electronics. Um, so I've, I've built our assembly line here. Uh, uh, much of it is 3D printed. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our filling machine is a custom... Uh, a custom metering uh, pump that fills on six channels simultaneously. And that's all stuff that I got to build. So (laughs) I got to put my engineering skills to work and uh, build out an an electronic filler. And um, the whole assembly line is, is cobbled together. Uh, And, and it's been very, um, it's very uh, custom tailored. It's very uh, unique to KPL. No one else has anything quite like it, but um, has ended up being very reliable for us. So I, I built the the first filling machine, and we now have one for each of our products. But uh, I think the first one is is going on. It's probably filled about a million bottles, and is still it's still kicking. Wow! And nothing's broken on nothing's yes. broken on it yet. So um, I got I sort of got lucky on the first try with that one. Wow, this is awesome. I didn't know that you also built the filling machines. <laughs> uh, we're trying to save money. Yeah, you, you can buy <laughs> filling machines. Yeah. You can buy them. Uh, we would have had to buy probably a pharmaceutical uh, filling pump um, used to fill maybe um, syringe, bottle, like glass ampules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they cost as much as a, as much as a, like a large truck here in the United States, probably. So. We needed to develop something that was uh, at that level of cleanliness and at that level of precision to fill our bottles, but uh, mm-hmm. we could we could not spend anywhere close to that. So <laughs> had to rig it up ourselves. <laughs> so there's a new product coming, the uh, KPL um, small pen-sized. Um, yes. Is there anything else in your mind you uh, want to talk about? Is uh, Do you want to... Maybe something, just um, if I imagine, maybe something, uh, a product which is removing rust. Is this something you can do? <laughs> maybe? That's or you something are think- we're, we're, think- we are thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a, I actually have a test bottle on my shelf over there. I've got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been using it on all kinds of things. I, I actually bought a vehicle that, that was quite rusty. And so I've, I've treated my entire vehicle with it to, to remove the rust and, and then I'm using it on knives as well. Uh, so that that's in the works. I, I'm not sure that I'm ready to announce anything. Mm-hmm. It may be um, years down the road, but we think we've got something really good uh, that um, will convert and remove rust and then leave behind um, a much more rust resistant uh, chemical coating at the same time. That's not very obvious. So th- that would be meant for restoring very old knives like mm-hmm. heirlooms, right? 
um, without having to polish them to the point that they're no longer valuable or heirloom quality. Uh, so that may be coming in uh, years ahead. I don't have any timeline on that. We are working. Um, I think I'm close enough that I can, I can let a little secret slip, but we're working on some products in the bushcraft space uh, that we think will be really exciting. So um, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I love camping and um, sort of surviving in the wilderness for short periods of time. Uh, do a little bit of hunting as well. Uh, so so we may move into the bushcraft space a little bit, and hopefully you'll see something around the end of this year uh, where we're trying to get into um, bushcraft and survival. Yeah. So we will see. It's probably not going to be a major product announcement, but mm -hmm. uh, at some point you'll see it pop up on our website, and um, we'll see how how the industry takes it. I'm I believe I'm going to attend a uh, a bushcraft gathering uh, later in the year in uh, the state of Georgia here in the the U.S. Yeah, uh, where we may preview that, we'll see. Yes, not not quite certain, but <laughs> sounds great. We're always working. We're always working on yeah. new things, and then, like I said, we've got a a sporting goods line that that is my wife's passion, and that's that's uh, in the process of launching right now as well. So, um, from your side as a chemical expert, what is your favorite steel? Ooh, mm -hmm. I I. Prize sharpenability mm -hmm. is my thing. So sharpenability and edge stability. So I love all the the modern super steels, but I I really like uh, the, the knife I'm carrying today is a uh, 52100 Spyderco, just a just a, a a nice carbon steel. I I really like uh, Nitro V is a steel mm -hmm. that's available here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the uh, I like knives in AEBL. So. Uh, personally, I, d I don't prize, uh, like ultra edge holding as much as maybe some people do. Uh, I really like, uh, but if I am going, uh, edge holding, I like M4 quite mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I like crew wear. Um, and then I like the very tough stainless steels, like I said, Nitro V, AEBL. Um, and then there's no way not to own a whole bunch of knives in M390. And, uh, and so <laughs> half my collection is M390 because that's. That's been so very popular uh, the last few years, but uh, I do like that steel as well. That, that that's a great steel for edge holding and, and stainlessness. But I tend to gravitate towards um, steels that are a little easier to sharpen um, in the field. Got it. So, um, so I have three last questions for you. Yes. Hi. So, are you an early bird person, or do you like to work late in the evening? I wake up pretty early, but I tend to work better towards the end of a day. You really? <laughs> Let's say that. So I'm, yeah. I I get up. Uh, I, I have two daughters. One is 16 years old and one is uh, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wake up very early to get them off to school in the mornings. And then I, I will typically um, exercise a bit and then try to settle into work. I'm very distractible. So it usually takes a few hours for me to get through reading the news and updating myself on what videos came out over the last mm -hmm. 24 hours. <laughs> and then I settle, I really settle in around, uh, you know, noon and get, get the heavy, the heavy lifting done. So, and then I, I usually, um, work on and off in, in spurts throughout the day. So lots of breaks, lots of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, 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 we, at least here in the U.S., ADHD has become the term we use to describe that. I don't have ADHD, but uh, that's probably a good way to characterize my my work ethic. <laughs> yeah, br br uh, brief bursts of of heavy thinking. So, got it. Yeah, but that's, I think you are doing everything. You are um, research for bottles, packaging, devel developing new products, building machines, doing the uh, the uh, the knowing stuff you need to know for entering a european market <laughs> knowing yeah. all the the regulations so this is it is a lot to think about it and when end, yeah. when does end your day or normally i usually end around uh 6 or 7 p.m <laughs> and then i'll kind of shut things down maybe maybe put out some content on uh, social media so yeah you are always with your mind in the business and or or into yes, the knife yes. business. Uh, yeah. 
What is your most important tool? My most important tool. I uh, I uh, it's, oh. it's this guy, <laughs> calipers, right? So um, this is my favorite tool. I I love this. This and a pry bar oh. are are my go tos for for most things. But uh, this is my favorite. I'm I'm also a huge fan of. Uh, wrenches and hammers so mm. I, i've got a my little uh hammer collection over here on the wall oh yeah um little jeweler's hammer probably familiar to you and then a, a leather face and a copper and um and then i i like to restore old tools so this is a very old uh uh rock hammer that was made by a, a company that no longer exists uh, about 150 years ago that i I actually restored this steel using our uh, rust removing product. So you can see that, mm -hmm. that, that finish that's left behind. Anyway, mm -hmm. that that's what I get a kick out of. Uh, and then I'm, of course, always carrying a knife and, and a pry bar and a pen. This is on me. interesting because Jens Enzo, you know, this uh, knife maker from Denmark. Yes. He is also a knife, a, a hammer collector. He also collects hammers. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> I, I love to find uh, very old. Uh, hammers and then um actually my right arm doesn't no longer works i've I've lost the ability to use my right shoulder but uh i very slowly uh rehandle them using my left hand and i'm mm -hmm. a right-handed person so usually uh, something like this will take me months and months uh of very slowly working uh with a not very coordinated right right hand anymore but it's a fun hobby so mm -hmm. And which book would you recommend to a friend? Okay, so my favorite book yeah. is a, it's an it's an old one. Uh, it's a western, and it's actually uh, considered uh, to be the very first western novel ever written. Really, uh, that that's kind of a true western in the sense that we would think of one today. It's called The Virginian, so it's named after the state, The mm -hmm. Virginian. Uh, it was written by a man named Owen Wister. In the 1800s, I believe, and uh, and it's just it's got all the elements that you would expect in like a classic Western. Uh, really beautiful language, uh, and the gentleman who wrote it is actually uh, he is uh, a his parents were German immigrants. He comes from a German family and mm -hmm. uh, grew up in a town called Germantown, Pennsylvania. So, uh, especially for your for your audience over there, I highly recommend it. It's it's very good, uh, very picturesque. Uh, you know, it, it was written in a, a a more innocent time, but it's mm -hmm. got frontier justice, and it is just mm -hmm. a beautiful book. So, the Virginian is a, a really really good one that That's I'd recommend to, to anyone, and it's been translated into all the languages, so you can find it in. Uh, Probably whatever whatever you're looking for. That's cool. Good to know. I I think I never have read Western before. <laughs> just just realized that. Well, th th this is the one that this is the one that all 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 follow on westerns are, uh, you know, take their archetype from this well, one, including uh, all the movies being made today. Sort of, um, you know, they 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 sort of uh, copy the form of this one. So you mean very there, very classic book. Yeah, you mean there's a saloon in. Uh, in this there booth? is a saloon. <laughs> there's a saloon. There's a gunfight. Yes. Uh, there's there's a, a bad guy. There are cattle thieves. It's oh. uh, it's great. And and uh, the gentleman who wrote it actually traveled to Wyoming back when it was still frontier uh, to write the book. So did some in person research and uh, just wrote kind of a, a classic oh. classic novel that I really love. So. So it's a good choice to start with if you are into Western literature. Yes, very good classic American literature yeah. as well. Yes, so. awesome. Thank you so much. And also thank you so much for your time, for being yes, here. Yes, I'm so happy to join. I'm so happy to be with Knife Lounge. And um, I, I just love having making our product more accessible to people in more places. Which, like I said, that's our that's our whole philosophy is to be available all the time, no matter where you're at. Yeah. And so, so thrilled to be uh, in your shop and uh, to be in Munich and and to make ourselves um, more available and so easy to get in in more and more places. So. Oh, 
Yes, and I hope we will we will meet again at the uh, Blade Show or other shows, or maybe in Germany soon. <laughs> I would love to come to the uh, what is it the IWA? Yes, show? yes, yes. I'm hoping to come to the IWA show at some point, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope you guys stay in the same booth next year for the Blade Show. <laughs> yeah, that was I hope that so was too. very fun. So, thank you. See you. Yep. Thanks Bye for having now. me join.